Okay, can you just start by telling me your name and your position here? Uh, my name is Fernanda Duarte and I'm Associate Professor at the University at the um, Department of Chemistry okay. at Oxford. And just uh, tell me a little bit about your background, starting from how you first got interested in, in chemistry and what you've done between then and to where you are now. Well, yeah, it has been a, a long, long journey. <laughs> I'm from Chile, mm -hmm. um, so I first came to the UK in 2015 mm -hmm. as a postdoctoral researcher and then I started to build my career. Uh, first in Oxford, then in Edinburgh, and now back as an academic since 2018. Mm, mm. And what got you interested in chemistry in the first place? Um, was mostly the, the general aspect. That when I was looking for a career in science, I wanted to do something that will have mathematics, chemistry, physics, a bit of everything. And I found that chemistry was combining quite a lot of that. Um, I'm from Chile, so mining was also very important, so I thought that would be a good combination. Mm. Um, I never went into that area, <laughs> and I started to move into computational modeling, mm. but that was a, the, the first mm. inspiration. Mm. So tell me more about how you use computers in chemistry. What, um, how, how does it complement the work that goes on in the laboratory? What we try to do is, is very see what we cannot see in the laboratory. Sometimes we can use uh, microscopes in, in biology, for example, to start to look at the fine details. But even with those one, experimentally, we cannot do that. So computational give us the alternative to, to use them as a big and, and maybe cheaper microscope to explore things that will be impossible to do uh, experimentally. Mm. Can, you, can you give me an example of something that you, you've worked on in the past? Uh, we have been working in a couple of enzymes. So enzymes are a very big, big molecules in, in our body uh, that enable us to, to, to live. Many of them enable us to, to build the energy uh, through the consumption of our food into energy or do other type of transformation. And they contain thousands of atoms, which we cannot see uh, very easily, not at our naked eyes. And with computers, we're able to model them and start to see them on time how they move, how they interact with other molecules, and, and so on. So you're really having a, a movie of those molecules that we'll not be able to see otherwise. And is this all done with mathematics, or can you actually, are you using visual representations of the molecules? When we start building the models, we use a first visual representations, but then when we start to see the, how they evolve in time, we usually use uh, approaches that come from physics, classical, physics, so we, we try to use Newton equations, actually, very old equations, just to see how those particles are propagating and evolving on time. So you're looking at forces and... and um, forces and energies, and energy, how they yes. propagate on time. But some cases, enzymes are even more interesting because they can break and form bonds. And in those cases, we have to use quantum mechanics. So a bit more complicated equations are the classical one, because we can see how things move, but also we can see electrons, how electrons are affecting, and those are the ones involved in, in bonds that are formed and, and broken at the end. Mm -hmm. And do computational chemists typically collaborate with chemists who are working in the laboratory so that you're, you've got a to and fro going on between what you're creating, which is presumably, essentially, it's a, it's a, it, as you say, it's a model, it's a theoretical yeah. approach, and you want to test that somehow. Yeah. I feel that we are kind of at the interface of the areas because there are theoreticians in, in our field that they are developing the, the theory behind, uh, very much focused on, on the fundamental aspect, not maybe on the applications, and actually we're using those techniques into 
uh, making them uh, applicable to, to real season of interest. So we collaborate very closely with experimentalists uh, looking at applications, but also with theoreticians sometimes trying to learn the methodology and how we can push that, uh, not only to, to leave that to fundamental and, and small system, but also to push them to be used into a wider range of chemical uh, reactions. Mm. And, and what's the goal? What, what, what are you hoping to find out ultimately from these studies? Fundamentally, sometimes the, the kind of the internal and daily motivation is really understand how in, in nature um, chemical reactions happen. Um, because they are so amazing and to fu so fundamental to, to what we are as humans. Uh, but then from they, they have a, an impact, so sometimes fundamentally understanding is, is, is the motivation, the, the internalized is uh, solving the puzzle sometimes, but also they have an important uh, applications in developing new catalysts uh, to, to generate a safer or maybe more ecological plastic, or in our case we have been focusing on enzymes where we are interested in, in uh, helping to develop new drugs. Because if you understand how the system works, then we can uh, find ways to, to block in cases the system working in a poor way or, or making that uh, improvement uh, to, to, the, to the machinery that we know. Mm -hmm. And is there a particular area of uh, medical importance that you're interested in or is it a more um, broad-based in our group, we have um, kind of three branches. One of them is more fundamental, looking into the methodologies that we use. Uh, the, the other one, is, uh, a, which is related to the COVID research that we have done, is uh, looking at enzyme modeling. So we look at enzyme processes that take place in, um, usually enzymes that involve metal ions. That mm -hmm. has been our interest, because they are difficult to model. So actually our interest has been, they are so important in, in biology for uh, for blocking some signals, for example, related to cancer or to Alzheimer's disease and so on, and, and people that try to avoid them because they are difficult to model. Mm. So this has been what, one of why, What makes them difficult to model? Uh, because sometimes metals are, uh, in the periodic tables, metal occupied in a special place uh, that give them some um, properties. So the way that the electronic structure of the system is compounded means that they have many different configurations. Electron can be in many different places. And sometimes that makes them difficult. It's difficult to model with classical approaches. So you have to go to quantum approaches. That, that means that they are more expensive and more difficult to implement. Mm. So sometimes people try to leave them uh, a mm. bit aside. Mm. Uh, so we have been interested in that from, from uh, just because they are so important and, and prevalent. So um, almost a, a third of enzymes will be um, or proteins compounds uh, having a metal. So that has been the motivation on those areas. Um, but, but yeah, many of them are involved in signal processes that will um, trigger um, cancer in some cases or, or some other uh, uh, diseases. Mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned in passing that one of your areas of research was on COVID. Can, can you remember where you were when you first heard that there was something going on in Wuhan and, yes. that, that, and that it looked as if it could be something that might affect the whole yeah. world? I remember I attended a, a conference in, in computational modeling in Bristol that was in March. Uh, I had heard before, like since February, we mm -hmm. were receiving news about what was happening in China. We have students in our group who have family there, so we were well aware of the situation. But I remember the conference started on Sunday and 
and suddenly finish on Wednesday when the pandemic was declared. So just from Sunday to Tuesday, we realized uh, how quickly the situation was evolving and how dangerous everything was. So we started on Sunday commenting how difficult it was traveling for those coming from abroad. And then on Wednesday, everyone said, OK, we'll finish now. And uh, early today, and everyone tried to go home as fast as possible. Yeah, and so that, that I, I and then coming back on, on Wednesday they declare the, the pandemic. Uh, mm -hmm. And how did you you and your colleagues um, decide that that this was something that was relevant to your research and that you could actually um, make a difference there? Uh, uh, a bit earlier, we started. We, we have been interacting since I came to to Oxford in two thousand eighteen. I have been interacting with a group of Professor Chris Scofield, uh, who has been doing experimental work for many decades in antibiotic resistance and other type of enzymes. Uh, and also with people in statistics and, and biochemistry. Uh, just when I came, I started to meet people and those working in protein modeling and enzyme-related areas because that is something that I was interested in. So was never related to the virus enzymes or, or anything was mostly the interest on modeling, um, biomolecular modeling. Mm, mm. And then when the uh, COVID pandemic started, uh, we started discussions about uh, everyone was sent home very quickly, trying to do um, what you can at home. But then we started discussions about what we could do. We have so many good people, excellent researchers, and we felt that we were not doing much. And that was a tricky situation because we have to move projects and start working on something that is not funded, maybe not delivered in, in other areas. Um, but we felt that was uh, something that, if you were not taking that risk out for, then who will be taking that, that risk in, in the UK, for example? Mm -hmm. and, and what did you decide to focus on specifically? Uh, we focus on an enzyme um, called, um, it's the main protease enzyme, one of the many enzymes involved in the a replication of the virus. So, so this is an enzyme that the virus has within, I mean it's making the protein it's yeah. itself, or rather it's directing cells to make that protein. Yeah, that so right? when the virus comes into our body, it's yeah. taking over our machinery yes, yes. and then using that machinery to replicate. And the first thing that the virus is doing is replicating as a long, very, very long chain. It's like a, a, when you look at pasta, for example, it's a very long one. And then this uh, enzyme is the very first one of that chain. And what it's doing is acting as a scissor. So first we cut itself from that long chain and then start small, uh, making small pieces. So this very long chain that is not very functional starts to fold in small pieces and then form the proteins that are necessary for replication. So if we could block that first uh, scissor that is cutting everything else, we can block really the replication process. And, and we say to target that enzyme because it's is something that uh, people have experienced before. Uh, it's related to other enzymes, not from virus, but the activity and the chemistry that it's doing, um, we felt that was something that we knew from other systems that we have been working before. Does it have a metal in it? No, well, I don't. No, no, then, uh, no we, we, we found uh, it was easy in that sense. <laughs> uh, always when we start working with systems, they feel easier <laughs> than the ones that we have been working before. Uh, the chemistry is well known. It's chemistry that we teach our first year students, um, but but was a, uh, and we did know uh, quite a lot of of, of the what will happen because uh, the first uh, COVID, uh, the SARS uh, SARS-CoV-1, that appeared uh, many years before, 
has some similarities. All right. So mm -hmm. we realized that there was quite a lot of research, many papers that were not very well cited, and they contain quite a lot of important information. So looking at those uh, old papers at the was very important to, to get it started. Mm, mm. And so what what were you looking for? You were, you were looking for molecules that would interact with this MPRO, the main protein. Yes, yeah. there were two, kind of two branches. One of the very fundamental, looking at how this uh, enzyme is interacting with its substrate. Because first it has to cut itself and then interact with the different pieces of, of these branches. So it's recognizing a specific area, so it doesn't cut randomly. Um, I didn't cut 12 different, uh, 11 different uh, sites, but uh, it was not cutting randomly, it was cutting in specific areas, and we wanted to know uh, how selective it was for each of them. So we started to develop models. We didn't have this whole chain completely, it was very difficult to model, so we developed uh, 11 different models of these uh, uh, enzymes. That, like, uh, they were short peptides, but they will mimic the, the real sequence that they will be recognizing. So the first question was, how is this enzyme recognizing those sequences? And is recognizing them in a more selective manner? So are the ones more reactive? Maybe it's because it's recognizing them better, and why? Because if we can understand this recognition pattern, we could design new inhibitors that will mimic those interactions. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, other side of the group was looking at molecules, small molecules that were already available and, and see if those interactions will match the ones that we will find it. Mm. So can we use that what we have already available to, to identify some uh, small uh, uh, molecules? Mm. And was that the part that Henry was working on? So we've got Henry Chan here with us as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so we'll here. talk to Henry about that in a moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But so, so, and how successful were you at um, understanding better this interaction between the protease and the sites where it cuts? Yeah. I felt that we still, as always, we felt that we have many more questions that <laughs> we had initially. Uh, we did identify uh, key interactions uh, that are important uh, for this um, recognition to take place. This is a very long chain, so we realized that one side of the enzyme is uh, has very conserved interactions, while others will say maybe are more promiscuous, they are much more flexible. And we were able also to do um, a different type of uh, mutation, computationally, testing many different residues, and in that way identify peptides sequences that will inhibit actually the reaction. Uh, and those were tested in the experimentally here in Oxford as well. Mm -hmm. So it was very nice to see that we were able to understand part of the machinery, um, then also identify the key interactions that we could exploit to identify new inhibitors and those have been tested experimentally. Mm. And that's after the, because initially the lab workers all had to go home, presumably. Yeah, it was correct. very, very limited. So yeah. here people was able to do some work, but it's still um, the, the, the progress was slow, but we were very lucky that we're allowed to continue some ex experimental work, but because um, bringing consumables from abroad and everything was slower than, than in normal times. Mm. 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 Yeah. And and where where are you now with the, with this research? What, what, yeah. um, is, is it continuing or did it reach a? a, a yeah, no, point? we're still uh, working, and, and maybe Henry can comment more on that uh, later. But uh, we have continued working this enzyme uh, M Pro, where we uh, want to understand a bit more the mechanism because people have studied and published the mechanism for 
small molecules or some of the um, uh, molecules that have been published, but not the real uh, full sequence um, uh, peptides. So we'd like to explore that in more detail. Uh, and also we're exploring another enzyme uh, related to MPRO, which we think that we, if we can start to target both of them, identify using the same protocol, identify the interactions first, and from that analysis then develop new inhibitors um, th that is our focus now. No, this is another COVID enzyme. Yeah, yes, that has yes. been another. So um, yeah. since that, um, Henry's project has completely shifted. Our original <laughs> PhD project for this is now gone because we have many more questions in those two different enzymes mm -hmm. and we would like to answer. And, and also because those uh, virus enzymes are maybe important for COVID, but they they may be relevant for, for, for other type of, of uh, viruses in, in the long term, the machinery is not too different to other things that we have seen. Mm, mm. So, and I mean, your goal, part of your goal is drug discovery. It, it, it's, uh, uh, how far off is that? Are, are there, have you had any commercial interactions with this work? No, we are, I think that we are very um, new in this area because we, we initially started to look at very fundamental questions mm -hmm. in this area. And through the interaction with our colleagues, we, we realized how important asking this fundamental question was to this drug discovery effort. So has been very encouraging and motivating to learn about this area, also to realize that it's also very difficult to develop a drug. So many people say we'll develop a drug, but uh, something that is active in the laboratory and that it become active actually with a real drug involve a very, very long path. If we can contribute, especially in these early stages, is something that uh, really motivates us. Mm. So mm. I think that we really want to, to explore further this area, but also um, being aware that the path is, is long and is complex. We're answering one part of the question, and, and there are many experts that we have to work with uh, to, to answer the, the other ones. Mm. Mm. And you, you mentioned early on that, that funding was uncertain, and you were going to have to switch from your existing projects to this one. Did, were you able to um, get funding to, to pursue the work that you did do? Um, right now, for example, we were very lucky that through the university we were able to, to continue work here. So for experimentalists were the ones that needed the most. We were able also to secure some funding to run calculations in the national computer facilities. So there were some calls, priority calls for people working in particular in COVID research. So that was very helpful. And on the and that was that UKRI funding? UKRI, yes, yeah. Yes. And also through the uh, funding, for example, um, that Henry is receiving as well, uh, having the flexibility to still carry out research in different area, different to the one that we originally have, but uh, recognizing that was also very important. So having that flexibility also coming from EPSRs in those areas uh, was uh, very, very useful. Mm, mm. So, so tell me a little bit about how um, shocking it was for you uh, to, to have to change the way you worked and uh, coming back to you, coming to you personally, really, how you, your response was to coping with, yeah. with the virus. Yeah. Um, but I mean, were you, were you afraid? I mean, were you afraid of actually becoming infected? Yeah, it was, was very difficult because people um, from, um, we work with computers, so many people say you can just go home and do your work safely. Uh, but there were some challenges because um, as um, a, a student sometimes, as a postdoc, I have been a postdoc here too, you have different experience sometimes sharing places with people uh, and being able to work. So initially it was very scary uh, to be in abroad and be far from home, see if something happened, I will not be able to travel. So that was very scary. 
uh, but at some point you realize that things have to keep going and you, you lead a group and you have to continue working with them. So paying attention to those aspects was very stressful because each person was experiencing different uh, situations and sometimes being at home was was not the, the best option for them. Mm. So the department very early realized that not only for experimental, but also for computational people, uh, coming to the lab in a safe environment was important. So we started to open early on with the restrictions implemented in the university. Sometimes people be sitting very far away in an office, but having this space that was different to the maybe a crowded home sometime or, 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 or maybe uh, giving you some freedom to, to stop thinking about yeah, what is happening back home and, and maybe uh, try to focus on some more. So, so what's a distraction? Mm. And I felt mm. that that was very use, uh, useful to have the support from, from the department that initially thought, okay, you don't have any problem, you don't need to come back at all, to realizing that sometimes uh, uh, mental health is also related mm. to, to feel um, that you're doing work, that you, you feel accomplished and doing. Yes, yeah, that's something I was going to ask. Did the fact that you were able to, to do important work on the virus itself help to support your own well-being, do you think? Yeah, and, and I think there was mostly the interaction with, with the colleagues. So many times we'll spend the first uh, five, ten minutes just discussing how things have been uh, this week. And sometimes a bit long if someone was ill. So you, you felt this personal connection with people that was discussing science. We were meeting every Wednesday online to discuss science, but also was to, uh, we used to meet at 5 or 6 p.m., so because it was easier for everyone to coordinate, but it was not something that I felt like I have a late meeting, not at all. It was a bit of a distraction also to interact with colleagues mm. in a much more uh, friendly environment and also do some science that we were very motivated. Mm. Mm. And... Yes, sorry. Oh yes, do you think you worked longer hours than normal? I initially, when I was uh, working at home, I, I didn't feel I felt that there was quite a lot of flexibility. I could take breaks in between and go to the park, but later I did feel quite tired. Mm. So I felt that when I came back and things were starting to go back to normal, I did realize what happened during that period, and I did feel tired instead of like not only physical, but instead of ideas or how things will be going. Um, so was a realization maybe after, and then you start to think actually yes, I was working more hours, mm -hmm. um, but initially it didn't feel it was quite flexible. But then three months was okay. But then when we went to six months, and and maybe the the, the worst case for us as a group was also when things were getting better, and then we went back to to lockdown in December, mm -hmm. very close to Christmas. Yes, yeah. That was a, a, a very deep point for everyone, feeling realizing all the time that you have been working long hours, maybe that you were just tired, that you wanted to go home. I think that that was a very difficult period for mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you mentioned earlier on that y your work has always been somewhat collaborative because mm -hmm. it's very multidisciplinary and you need to interact with, with people who are doing practical chemistry. But do, do you think this particular project was more collaborative than what you've been used to and, and how did you feel about Oh yeah, that? yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, some of the meetings that we have were just for someone presenting the methodology that they were using because sometimes we were just not understanding the language. It was so different. Um, some people doing, even some of the theoreticians there were not able to understand each other 
or, or the experiment that people was doing. So we're able to ask very, very basic questions. And many of the meetings were based on that. Someone will become, I mean, today and present the methodology and explain the details. Uh, and that is something that was very new to me. So mm. I, I have never worked, uh, we were, yeah, uh, more than 25 people working in this uh, project and just learning the Apite language. We are all chemists, most of us were chemists or physicists. So we felt that, yeah, we knew uh, the language very well, but it still mm. was a learning process before starting to do some work together. And do you think there's a lesson from that, that it, normally you're you'd be slightly afraid to admit that you need yeah. to have a bit more of an explanation of something and uh, maybe everyone should think more in the future about having that kind of open discussion. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. And, and I think there was give more knowledge about other things that you can do, how you can complement your research, uh, how you can push that a bit further. Maybe we're doing a fundamental analysis and then another person will say ah, actually I know someone that we we can really test this and how we can test or sometimes we're having problems with a computer someone else will offer help or support with that so was a aspect of improving the science that we were doing mm. but also um, feeling motivated that you were part of, of, a, of a team mm. Of, mm. of a group uh, mm. so we are still interacting now we meet every other week rather than every week, but uh, we're still um, aiming to continue work together. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. So you're taking it forward. It, I mean, still working on COVID or on other problems as well? Uh, that has been COVID, but uh, hopefully we can um, find um, funding to, to continue um, some of the work that we're interested in doing, in general in biomolecular modeling, but bridging the, the aspect of the fundamental modeling and drug discovery. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so just looking forward, has do you think the experience of working on this problem and working in this collaborative way has changed your attitude to your work and, and how would you like to see it moving forward in the future? I think that has, from, from the science aspect, has been, um, been very useful to realise how complex the process that you work on are, but it's, it's okay to go and ask questions to other people. Um, so sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm not an expert on that. But yeah, well, we, we can find someone that is an expert and we work together. So I think that gave me the, the motivation, and maybe the confidence to just go and, and ask and contact someone if that is the case. And, and more from the personal aspect, maybe uh, leading a group, realizing how important are the, the human interaction to do science. Because if those were uh, affected, we saw that in, in the science and, and, and how people was developing. Mm -hmm. So we, we take from granted many of those interactions that we had before. And, and now hopefully trying to appreciate those, those more. Great.